Welcome to the Crop Insurance Podcast, the podcast where we dive deep into the world of crop insurance. I'm your host, Mike Rydell, third generation crop insurance agent, and I'm thrilled to have you join me on this educational journey. At our family owned and operated business, we've been providing crop insurance expertise for generations. Our goal here is simple, to educate our listeners. Crop insurance can be complex and overwhelming, but I believe that understanding it is crucial for every farmer. So whether you're a seasoned farmer looking to stay updated or a newcomer seeking guidance, this podcast is for you. Welcome to today's episode where we're going to talk about crop insurance units. If you can, to hop over to our website, thecropinsurancepodcast.com. You'll see some images on there that kind of help you understand what we're talking about a little more. Uh, But for the purposes of this podcast, we'll just go through it and do our best to describe it. Like with all these podcasts, uh, crop insurance basic episodes, they all build off of each other. So make sure you've already listened to the intro to the APH, the APH and options and coverage levels, because that's going to help you to kind of make sense of what we're talking about here. So what is a crop insurance unit? Uh, Rain and Hail, one of our crop insurance companies, uh, they define it as a grouping of insurable acreage of a crop in a county, which is taken into consideration when determining your guarantee slash coverage, premium, and your amount of indemnity slash loss payment. So what I like to think of it is a crop insurance unit is essentially a bucket. How big that bucket is depends on which unit structure you take. And that bucket represents your crop insurance guarantee, which again is your APH times your coverage level times your price. For the purposes of this, think of that as your bucket. As you start to harvest, you're going to fill up your bucket with grain. If you don't fill it all the way to the top, that means you have a loss. And then federal crops going to step in to fill the rest of that bucket up for you to make you whole. Now, depending on what unit structure you have depends on how those buckets fill up and affect each other. Um, So if you hop over that link in the podcast or just head to the website, you can kind of see a nice graphic that kind of gives you a visual representation of what we're talking about here. But the big keys to keep in mind is that with unit structure, we're going to talk about three types, enterprise, basic, and optional. Enterprise is the largest because it's just per crop per county and optional units is the smallest because it takes other things into consideration as well, like share sections and type of crop. When it comes to premium dollars, enterprise is the cheapest and optional is the most expensive. And the reason enterprise cheapest is because it's a bigger unit. It's going to pay out in theory, it's going to pay out less losses than an optional units would. And so I always like to look at things from a loss perspective when describing it to my farmers. And so I'll try to use some of that to help you along the way. Let's dive right in and look at enterprise unit or the largest. This is popular for expensive crops in other parts of the country. And by expensive, I mean premium rate. Um, Enterprise unit is per crop per county period. So in order to qualify for an enterprise unit, you need to have a minimum of 20 acres or 20% of a unit and a minimum of two sections or more. So with enterprise unit, again, you're going to have that one crop per county 
Some crops allow you to separate by irrigated and non-irrigated. Others might allow you to go by type. Uh, peas in Montana is a great example of that. You can have enterprise unit by type with peas. So you can have small kabulis. There's going to be one enterprise unit, lentils another, smooth green, smooth green and yellow another unit. And that's helpful because in the past they used to all be shoved together in one unit. But with peas in Montana, you can separate by type. Um, there is a multiple county enterprise unit option you can leverage as well. And again, all of these things are going to help you with premium dollars, not necessarily loss scenario, but premium dollars. And that's the biggest reason producers sign up for enterprise unit is the premium subsidy is so much higher than optional units. And they just simply can't afford to do the optional units on some of these pulse crops, uh, especially as prices go up. Uh, the premium is just too much, so they do enterprise. So it, it, it is a helpful strategy in mitigating your risk for sure. So the next layer from enterprise unit is a basic unit. And so the basic unit, they're just going to look at your county and your crop, just like enterprise, but they take it one step further and look at shareholder slash ownership. Now we're not talking about the who owns the land, we're talking about who owns the crop. So Deeded land where you have a 100% share in the crop is treated the same as uh, cash lease or cash rent that you have a 100% share on. Those would be one basic unit. And then all of your crop ground shared with the state of Montana, that would be a separate basic unit because the share is different as long as it was, you know, 75% you, 25% the state, and your other stuff's 100%, then those would be separate basic units. And again, it goes to who you're sharing it with. So if you had 75% share with Smith Farms and 75% share with the state, those would be two separate basic units because they're shared with different people. Uh, so it's not necessarily just a percentage. So just keep that in mind. But 100% is treated as 100%. A lot of times people that will have optional units will end up with a basic unit on their policy if they had one unit of a crop shared with one entity, policy will default to a basic unit. And again, your coverage isn't going to be different, but your premium will. And with basic unit, it's the rate is cheaper or the rate is better or the subsidy is higher, however you want to look at it, than an optional unit. But it's not as good as enterprise unit. An enterprise unit's rate on their premium varies depending on how many acres you have seeded and how many different sections. So there's a lot that goes into it, but that's why enterprise is the cheapest, then basic, and then the most expensive would be optional units. So as you go down to optional units, and again, I'm assuming that if you're listening to this, you're already a farmer and you know what a section of land is. But just in case you don't, there's an invisible grid over the United States that's a mile by a mile. And it's roughly 640 acres. Now, it's not a perfect mile by mile everywhere you go across the country because you run into state borders that shrink it or grow it or county lines. So, but in theory, there are area, a lot of the countries a mile by a mile. And those sections are one of the big differentiators with optional units from enterprise and basic is now you're looking at sections to break that up as well. And so the advantage to that is now you're going to have a more specific coverage for just that little section. Anytime a field crosses over a section of land, 
it's going to bring in that section, the two sections that it brings together, and any fields that are at, seated within those sections as well. And it could continue to piggyback on and on to the contiguous sections if they keep crossing over to bring it all into one unit. Um, anytime you have a unique geographical feature that breaks up a section like a coulee or a river or railroad tracks or something, you can look at a written unit agreement to break those units up. But again, that's that gets more complicated. But for now, let's say that you're looking at a square grid and this grid is in four squares going from north, east, south and west. So in the northwest grid is section one, northeast is section two, southwest section three, southeast section four. So if you're looking at it from left to right, it's one, two, you go down a row from left to right, it's three, four. Those are the four sections of land we're talking about. So now looking at this grid, you can see a field that is seated in section one and a field that is seated in section three. Both of these fields are contained within their sections. They're both seated to winter wheat under optional units because they're contained within their section, they don't cross the section line, you would have two optional units. Now, why is that important? Well, let's say that in section one, you have summer fallow winter wheat, and in section three, you have continuous crop winter wheat. Typically, summer fallow does better than continuous crop, at least it does in Montana most of the time. And let's say that your summer fallow winter wheat has a really good year, you had good moisture over the winter, it produces really well, but your continuous crop winter wheat, for whatever reason, doesn't do very well, or maybe it gets hail damage, and you have a loss there. Well, with optional units, because your summer fallow did well, and there's a surplus of bushels, or there's grain spilling out of that bucket I mentioned earlier, because they're optional, that is all by itself. And your section three continuous crop winter wheat, because it does have a loss, you would be paid that loss on that line item. And so if you had enterprise units, that section one, that surplus would be a plus in the loss line. And then the loss in the section three would be a negative and you're gonna add all of those up and you either have a loss or you don't. So that's where the enterprise and optional kind of change is in the loss payout. Um, so let's say that you know, you have in that same four section grid, you've got a field that spans from section one to four, because those two sections are on top of each other, so north and south. And to the east, you've got section two or three, and you've got a mile and a half strip that goes from all of section three and half of section two. East and west, they're not crossing any section lines, but north and south, they are. So sections one and four would be its own optional unit. Sections two and three would be their own optional unit. Same rules would apply in the previous loss. You're gonna take the production in sections one and four and see if there's a loss or not. And with optional units, you're either gonna pay the loss if there is one or not pay the loss, obviously, if there's not one. And then you're gonna do the same things for sections three and four. Uh, again, if you had enterprise unit, you would have to look at the sections one and four. If there's a loss, it's a negative in the column. If there's not a loss, it's a positive. Do the same for sections three and four. 
and you're gonna add those together to see if you have a loss or not. And the third scenario that I think helps to really make sense of this is you have the same situations we had just in the previous example, but now there's a tiny field that crosses the east and west section lines between one and two. Nothing else crosses anywhere else to the east or west, but that one tiny, you know, 50 acre, 25 acre field does cross. Well, that's gonna bring in anything that has a common section which is all four of those sections would now be in one unit. And so you can see how it can get rather confusing in a hurry just by having all the same share and where the way the fields land. Now you start looking where you have share comes into account. All of those scenarios are gonna be the same, but when you get to this scenario we talked about where we have that, that small 25, 50 acre field that's crossing the east or west section lines, but let's say that that is a 75% share with the state everything else is 100. Well, now you're gonna have three optional units. You're gonna have sections one and four, that north and south, two mile strip. And in sections two and three, you have that mile and a half strip. Those are gonna be a second optional unit. And that third field that's crossing over east and west from one or two, because it's shared with a different entity, 75% share, it's gonna be an optional unit all by itself. And it's not gonna bring those other fields in together to one big unit. You're still gonna have three optional units. So now you can look at shares that can help uh, differentiate your different unit structures as well. Uh, type, like an easy one for wheat is uh, winter and spring wheat. Even if they're in the same section, they're gonna be separate units because they're different types. So optional units are incredibly helpful when it comes to loss scenarios. At the end of the day, why does it matter? Well, it only matters if you need it to matter or you want it to matter. If your primary concern with your crop insurance is keeping those premium dollars down, then enterprise units probably the best uh, the best solution for you. If your primary concern is ensuring your crops as specifically and customized as possible, then optional units is probably your best bet in that scenario. Uh, the beauty is is with the different crops. So with wheat, you could be optional units. 70% coverage level, revenue protection, let's say. And with barley, you could be enterprise unit, 80%. You can play with a lot of the numbers to try to fine tune it as you go, what's based, uh, what's gonna be best for your operation. In the old days, optional units, 75% coverage of revenue protection was just kind of easy. That's what everybody did. Well, as the base prices for these crop insurance policies continues to rise. And not even just that, but the price volatility factor that drives your rate continues to be higher, making your premium more expensive. Farmers need to take a harder look at their unit structure is a good place to save some premium dollars or increase their coverage. Uh, and just in terms of how they farm their operation. And at the end of the day, you do need to sit down with your crop insurance agent, with your maps and go through it to make sure that you have all of your unit structure set up correctly, that there's no questions because when a claim comes around and if it's a big claim and your unit structure is not set up correctly, there's penalties that can happen that can result in you not getting a loss payment or owing a loss payment back in the result of a later audit. And those are actually, those are things you never want to have happen. And so sit down with your crop insurance agent and make sure they walk you through all the different setups with your unit structures and that you have a firm understanding of how they work because you do need to keep your records separate by units as well. Uh, we'll have another podcast about that later on. But unit structure is incredibly important.
So as we're going through these podcasts, you'll notice we're starting to get a little more specific in what we're speaking about. And as we do that, it starts to get more and more important to have an understanding of what's going on with your policy. From my family to yours, thank you very much for listening. I sincerely hope that this presentation has been instrumental in enhancing your understanding of federal crop insurance. If you find value in our podcast, we kindly encourage you to subscribe and spread the word among your friends and neighbors. To access further information, please visit our website at thecropinsurancepodcast.com where you'll find the latest podcast episodes, articles, and exciting new features conveniently located in one place. This information is not all-inclusive and is meant to be used only as general guidelines for educational purposes. For additional information, please see Crop Provisions, reference the Crop Insurance Handbook or Loss Adjustment Manual, or contact your crop insurance agent. This institution is an equal opportunity provider and employer. Thank you.